when uh, he's returned that, by the way. When we were living in Miami, we went through Hurricane Andrew and lost our house and everything. I'd left the church uh, that I'd served for 20 years. I was lonely and afraid and depressed. And uh, he sent me tapes called Encourage Steve tapes with Christian music and some words that made a big difference. I have prayed for him every day for 30 years. Uh, but I'm not to blame. <laughs> Don't blame me. It wasn't my fault. I was trying to help. <laughs> but I love Dwight. I love David. And I love you guys. And I have fond memories of the last time here. He... Uh, the guys were telling me that you had a retreat or are going to have a retreat. They asked what I wanted prayer for, and I said, I want to finish well. I'm cramming for finals. And they said, funny you should say that. You know, we've been talking about finishing well. Did you hear, did you hear about the bird that landed on a bucket of shellac? It was sunny day, it was warm, and the bird was having a great time, fell asleep, fell into the bucket. It was a painful death, but he did finish well. <laughs> I'm sorry. David asked if I would continue with your study in the book of Ecclesiastes. And I was thinking, Ecclesiastes? Are you crazy? I thought I was the only person in the world who even liked the book of Ecclesiastes. And I do. I like it a lot. You know why? Because whoever wrote it may be Solomon called himself, as you know, as you've read through it, he called himself the preacher. And frankly, he was a cynical old preacher. And he's writing to another cynical old preacher, and that would be me. And so as I read through the book of Ecclesiastes, and there's good stuff and bad stuff and scary stuff, there's a lot of stuff that you have trouble explaining and understanding and getting. If it's the only book in the Bible, you'd be suicidal. But it's not. It's the book that cleans out your soul and reminds you who you are and what life is all about. And it doesn't blink. It doesn't give you cliches. It doesn't smile at you and tell you how wonderful you are. It's a book that is extremely honest about the way life is. Uh, the historians have always told me about my past. The statisticians, they give me statistics and tell me about my future. The scientists tell me I'm just a blob of protoplasm. And the counselors, the psychologists, tell me I'm like a rat running through a maze. 
And then the philosophers try to give me reasons for running through the maze. And I listen. And their words are so hollow and so empty and so shallow. And then you get old like me and you die. And they, and they put on your tombstone, born 1940, died 2020, and they put a comma between your birth and your death. And you, you don't know why the comma's there or what it's all about or why you did it. Before I found what the writer of Ecclesiastes found, that there's a God, that there really is a God, one of my heroes, and there's a sense in which he still is, was Albert Camus. Most of you don't know who that is, but he was a French existentialist and an atheist. He said that life is like Sisyphus, the Greek myth. You push a rock up a hill and you get it to the top of a hill and it rolls back down. You do it forever. And in his Sisyphus, these conversations take place that are quite profound. Albert Camus, by the way, was uh, uh, killed in an automobile accident in 1960. He was fascinated. He was an atheist, but he was fascinated with the Christian faith. Uh, he wrote a novel that the leading character was Jean Baptiste, and he was symbolic, and maybe his friends thought that he was referencing John the Baptist, the pre-runner of Jesus Christ, and in a sense was talking about his own becoming a Christian. But he died too soon, so we'll never know. He said, there's no God, but if there is a God, and that God has come to us, everything changes. He was fascinated with guilt and forgiveness and grace. But maybe the most profound thing, and it's what the book of Ecclesiastes is all about, the most profound thing that he ever said was this. And like Ecclesiastes, it's not cool. He said, the only question with which a thinking person must deal is the question of whether or not he should commit suicide. <clears throat> you know why he said that? Because he felt that it was all meaningless. That's what Ecclesiastes said. And then he says, but God. Now you've been reading this and as you read the 11th chapter and I'm going to read it to you, it's more of the same. <laughs> I mean, the themes recur over and over again and you want to say by the time you get to the end of the book, okay, I got it. Now I'm suicidal. <laughs> except except that there's a God, and that makes all the difference in the world. Now, we're going to see in this chapter, as you find in the entire book, 
that there's some good things. Ecclesiastes, the preacher, Solomon, the king, maybe, when he looked at life, didn't say it's all dark and black and depressing and jump off the bridge. He said there's some cool stuff like sex. There's some cool stuff like money and a new car. There's some cool stuff in this kind of life. There's some dark stuff too. And then he said, and it's the, you know this, I don't know why I'm going over it, but I'm a preacher, okay? I just keep talking till something <laughs> comes to mind. The theme that runs throughout is vanity, vanity. All of it's vanity. Meaningless, meaningless. All of it is meaningless. So he tells us some good things in the 11th chapter. And he tells us some bad things. I'm going to summarize it. And then before I leave, I'm going to teach you how you can get the key to the entire book of Ecclesiastes. In the 11th chapter, this is, uh, this is what the cynical old preacher writes. Cast your bread upon the waters, and you'll find it after many days. Give a portion to seven or even eight, for you know not what disaster may happen on earth. If the clouds are full of rain, they empty themselves on the earth. And if a tree falls to the south or to the north, in the place where it falls, there it will lie. He who observes the wind will not sow, and he who regards the clouds will not reap. In other words, you've got a risk. As you do not know the way the spirit comes to the bones of the womb of a woman with child, so you do not know the work of God which makes everything. In the morning sow your seed. It's coming withhold not your hand, for you do not know which will prosper, this or that, and whether both alike will be good. Isn't this fun? Light is sweet. And it is pleasant for the eyes. So if a person lives many years, let him rejoice in them all. But let him remember that the days of darkness, in other words, your death, will be many. Uh, all that comes to vanity. Rejoice, O young man, in your youth. And in your heart, cheer, let your heart cheer you in the days uh, of your youth. Walk in the ways of your heart and the sight of your eyes. But know that for all these things, God will bring you into judgment. Remove execution from your heart, vexation from your heart and put away pain from your body for youth and the dawn of life or vanity. Oh, 
say, Steve, my wife just told me she didn't love me. My kid doesn't give a rip about God or anything I do or me. I'm close to losing my job. I can't make the, the car payment or the mortgage. I got people that have turned their backs on me. Some have stuck. I, it seems that when you would come to a place like this, you'd say something that would help. And all you've done is depress me and make my day dark. No, I the Bible did it. The cynical old preacher did it. And listen to me. He did us all a favor. He says, you get reward. Put your bread on the waters and it'll come back to you. It'll be wet and moldy, but it'll come back. And what he's saying is sometimes you get rewarded and sometimes you don't get rewarded. Deal with it. Suck it up. He says there's good stuff in life when you're young. You get to look at the hot girls and you can chase them. At my age, I only chase girls if they're running downhill in my direction. <laughs> I still hug them, but I don't remember why I hug them. <laughs> I was telling some of the guys earlier that one of my students went home for Thanksgiving. He had a mentor who was 86 years old preacher went to him and said to him when when does it get better with this lust thing and he said his preacher said son when you die and you've been buried five days <laughs> so if you're young you know dance and sing have a beer on occasion play sports that's good, and that's a gift from a God who loves you. If you're old and you've made it this far, and I have, I've been doing this longer than some of you have been alive, and everybody expects me to die soon. And I swam 50 laps yesterday, and I may be around for a while. The staff at the ministry with which I'm associated, Key Life, they're, they're young people, and they're great, and they're gifted. And they're preparing for DD Day. You know what that is? That's the day Steve drools or dies. <laughs> but, I, but not yet. Man, I've had a lot of years. These lines are laugh lines. I, I can't believe. I smoke my pipe. I cuss and spit. I'm not good. When... When Dwight got up and said, my name's Dwight and I'm a sinner, and he got you to say, hi, Dwight, and in your heart to say, me too, I wanted to say, you don't know nothing. You haven't lived long enough or sinned big enough to know how bad a sinner you are. But I'm still here, and I've been here a long time, and I was driving over here this morning, and I said, because I was thinking about Ecclesiastes 11, oh, you have been so kind to let me know these guys I'm going to be with this morning. You've been so good with a wife who puts up with so much stuff. And I'm still walking and still kicking. And you still use me sometimes. I can't believe that. If I had a list of people to use you, I wouldn't even put me on the list. 
And yet all these years, all these days, I'm still here. And Ecclesiastes says, speak in tongues and praise God. <laughs> I don't speak in tongues, but I praise God. Because that's what Ecclesiastes says. And then Ecclesiastes says, don't forget, the statistic is one out of one. You're going to die. My mentor, and I wish you knew him, he's in heaven now, uh, Fred Smith in Dallas, Texas. For 40 years, during every significant point in my life, he was there. He's the wisest man I've ever known. He wrote a column for Leadership Magazine and a book called You and Your Network. And when my brother died, he didn't call and say, you want me to come? He said, Steve, I've got my ticket. What time do you want me there? Every time I've been hurting and confused, Fred was there. And uh, when he died, part of me died. Uh, I went to Dallas uh, to, be, to speak at his funeral. There were thousands of people in this church, two, three thousand. And just before I got up to speak, I look up, and there's Fred Smith on all the screens all the way around, and he's grinning. And I thought, good heavens. And he said, since there are so many people here, it'd be a shame for me not to say something. <laughs> he said, for those of you who aren't Christians, one of the great gifts of my life is that you were my friend. And I've loved being your friend. And I just wanted to say thank you and goodbye. And for those of you who are Christians, I'll see you later. So good, and so Fred. He objectivized his pain, and even his death. Do you know that a week before he died, he recorded a DVD for me, personally? I've never seen it. I can't. I just can't bring myself to watch it. And it's been five years. Someday I'm going to get that thing out. I'm going to watch it. Because he modeled for me Ecclesiastes. There's good dealing with it and rejoice in it. There's even good in being an old guy. Rejoice and be glad in it. That's a gift from God. But don't forget that can change tomorrow. If there's a problem, well, there are a lot of problems in the church. But one of the problems is that sometimes... We're just so superficial. I love what you guys are doing. Uh, and your, your call uh, to learn. Because shallow and superficial and silly Christians do not help in this world. We got to look at the world the way it really is. I've... I've cleaned up after more suicides than I even remember. Listened to more confessions. Buried more babies. Stood beside more deathbeds. 
I don't even remember them all. So life is hard. Face it. Don't pretend. Don't do this Disney World thing. Look at it as it really is. Every day the world rolls over on top of somebody who was just sitting on top of it. Uh, but there's good stuff. When it happens, dance and laugh and fill it up. Don't be one of those sour Christians. You know what the philosophy of some Christians is. If you enjoyed it, it's a sin. And if you didn't enjoy it, it couldn't be a sin. That's neurotic. And the book of Ecclesiastes says it's neurotic. Take what God gives you. Rejoice in it. Suck it up when it's bad. And hang tough. And don't forget God. Throughout Ecclesiastes, the hints are there all the time. He says, vanity, it's all vanity. It's all stupid. It's all meaningless. You're going to die. You're not going to leave a hole. But don't forget God. He loves you. He's told you how to live. And he's forgiven you when you don't live that way. And that's a great way to live. I'm glad Ecclesiastes is in the Bible, but I'm glad it's not the only book in the Bible. Because you interpret the whole counsel of God by the whole counsel of God. And the scripture says that God has come and that he loves us all the time. That he'll never leave us in the dark and that he knows our secrets. And he loves us anyway. Ecclesiastes will tell you that when you look at the rest of the scripture. And this old cynical preacher will tell you that too. I've lived a lot of years. I've sinned a lot. I've hurt people a lot. But Jesus likes me a lot about 10% more than he likes you. <laughs> now listen, I'm gonna give you a key to understand, and it's, it's a key that only Christians can understand. Uh, this chapter obviously says there's good, enjoy it, there's bad, deal with it. And don't forget you're gonna die and remember God, that's the chapter. If I were writing a commentary on Ecclesiastes, I would use those four statements to teach the 11th chapter of Ecclesiastes. But I'm going to give you a key to understanding the whole thing. And in fact, to living your life in the way the writer of Ecclesiastes and Jesus himself wants you to live it. All right, I want you to repeat after me. Quid, quid, quid. say it. Quid. Infrarorum, say that, infrarorum. You know what you just did? You just said in Latin, what the hell? <laughs> I did that at a church and this elderly lady came out and she looked angry. 
And she said, that's the first time a preacher ever taught me to cuss. And then she smiled and she said, I liked it a lot. <laughs> a number of years ago, I wrote a book and it was called If God is in Charge. It was on the sovereignty of God. And the publisher, a Christian publisher, was very uptight. I suggested that they title the book If God's in Charge, What the Hell? And then I said, we won't have to write the book because that's all I'm saying. And Christians are the only people in the world who can say that. Uh, and they didn't think it was funny. And <laughs> Publishers are a funny bunch, I just want you to know. But that would have been a good title. Guys, I know. I know the secrets. I know the struggles with sin. I know what the doctor said. I know about your marriage. I know about your kids. I know the demons that come in the middle of the night and the stuff that keeps you awake. I know about the fears and sometimes being marginalized. I know about the financial worries. I know about all that. And so does God. And he's got your back. And he loves you deeply and profoundly. So, quid in furorum. <laughs> Don't thank me. I was glad to help. You think about that. Amen. You, questions, or if we need to move it, I'm for that no, too. Go ahead. Anybody got a question? There aren't any. That's because my teaching was so wonderful and clear. <laughs> and my best quality is my humility. If you have a question or comment, feel free to ask it. See, and when did you know this was your calling? Do what? When did you know this ministry was your calling? That this was my calling? Yes. Uh, well, my earliest memory, when I was two years old. Other kids were going to be firemen and policemen and cowboys and Indians. And when I was a little kid, I knew, and my family wasn't that religious. My mother taught me how to cuss. She read Spurgeon in the morning, the Bible at night, and taught me how to cuss in between. And my father was a drunk who found Christ very late in his life. So it wasn't that kind of influence, but I just knew. And looking back, I've decided there was a reason for that. I didn't want to do this. I wouldn't do this for anybody but Jesus. I mean, a lot of you guys wake up and love your job. You can hardly wait to get to work. When I was a pastor, I would wake up and say, God, just get me through another day. In fact, I wake up now. If it's raining and I'm depressed and I'm going to have a really bad day, I think, you know, this could be worse. I could still be a pastor. <laughs> so, <laughs> oh That's why it's important you send that note and that gift card. Yes. That is such a cool thing. I really like it. Uh, but I've known, and I think, I think God knew that it was going to be a struggle.
uh, I can't do it. I can't get out of this. I mean, I've tried to run. I can't. I just, and I hate it. And sometimes I hate God for it. How could you do this to me? If you loved me, I wouldn't have to do this. Why would you use somebody like me? Go find somebody who's good and has it together. But I think he knew I was going to kick against the goads because he made me that way. And so he hammered it in really, really early. I even went through a period of agnosticism. And I couldn't get the monkey off my back. And so I went to a graduate school in Boston, Boston University. You know why I went there? Because they didn't believe anything, and I didn't either. I mean, they were this side of Waco. They're so left-leaning theologically. And uh, I just couldn't get away from it. And then I maybe told you our younger daughter uh, was really sick, and some charismatics prayed for her, and she was miraculously healed. Another nail in my coffin. I can't leave. And Jesus hammered it in early because of that. And uh, so that's how it happened. And by the way, that sounds so negative. He's been so good. I've seen stuff you wouldn't believe. Yeah. Speak up. I'm, I wear these hearing aids for show. Listen, thank you for your honesty. Welcome to the club. Thank you for your honesty. Welcome to the club. The glue is grace. Radical grace. Um, by the way, I don't know if you've been paying attention, but I've been the preacher in Ecclesiastes for you this morning. You know, when I said I had to kick against the goats, when you said sometimes I want to run away, when, uh, when I said being a preacher and something I ever wanted to do, all of that is a reflection of Ecclesiastes. But once you get that part, you're free. <clears throat> once you get that part, you can dance because Christ died for the ungodly. Paul said it's a saying worthy of full acceptance that Christ Jesus died for sinners and I am the chief of sinners. It's not something you used to be. It's not something that you once were, but now you've been called to help people become good like you. It's what you are for all of your life. Sanctification is true and you get better. I'm better than I was. Some of it's old age. Some of it's, some of it's Jesus. But at the very heart of that is God's grace mediated through the blood of Christ and the fact that he has imputed the righteousness of Christ to my account because I don't have any. Good question. 
listen, don't you run. I won't either, okay? And then when we get home, we'll tell war stories. Hey, y'all, you're easy to talk to. Thank you for having me.